Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I want to talk about Star Wars yet again. I know there's a lot of things I've had to say about Star Wars and especially the Galactic Cruiser, but they ran their test cruises and I want to talk about that for a couple of minutes. And I'll get back to that in a minute and we'll talk about that and a few other things related to Disney. But before I get to that, I wanted to do one quick housekeeping thing, and that's to talk about what's happening in Russia and the invasion of Ukraine. And the reason I'm mentioning it is because around this time of year, for the last couple of years, I've taken a pause in my podcast when things happen that are sort of big impacts. And as I thought about what this impact was, I realized that the reason I took the pause before was because there were things happening domestically here in the United States that I needed to take stock of and think about and kind of consider in the big picture. And while this is important and it does have an impact on us, it's going to be an indirect impact. I think, you know, gas prices are going to continue to rise. I think some goods and services and other things will continue to have some inflationary things that happen. So I think there is an impact to us in some way, but it's not a direct impact. So as I sat and thought about it, I realized I don't want to take a pause in my podcast. I think it's better to continue to do my podcast and give us that happy moment and talk about something good in the world, Disney, and continue to kind of express it that way and not talk about what's happening there. But I wanted to point it out because this is happening. A sovereign nation, the Ukraine, was invaded by Russia and they had no cause to do it. And I would argue that no one knows why exactly it's happening. There's a lot of theories, a lot of thoughts about it. And you'll hear political analysts talk about it. You'll hear politicians talk about it. You'll hear people in the media talk about it. And I don't think anyone really understands what's happening. And really, I think factually, I think a lot of people get it wrong. You know, they say something and then they, you know, they kind of give their rationale for why they're saying it. And I don't think most of them are right. I think there's a lot of things that are happening that we don't understand. And it's very weird and it's really nuanced. And no matter what, at the end of the day, you have a war happening in a country that was invaded by another country, and that's really, really bad. And there's a lot of uh, things that I think about that uh, as far as the way you know, world, the world works. We're, we're this interconnected world, and you hear about a nation being invaded by another nation, and you go, there's something really wrong with that. And yes, this does happen and has happened historically, of course. But it's very strange when it happens in here in the 21st century and it stands out on its own. And I think the fact that we're so interconnected and, you know, all the world relies on each other to a large degree is really what drives the, my thought on this, that it's not as simple as just saying, yeah, that's happening over there. It doesn't affect me. And with the Galactic Star Cruiser doing its test cruises at the same time this is happening and having their first real cruises, their first paid cruises against the backdrop of that, I just have to point out that there's a huge juxtaposition there of things that are happening, and it makes me kind of a little, I don't know, a little weird about, I feel a little weird about all of it when I talk about 
Disney. I want to still talk about the positive aspects of Disney, but I, I just want to make sure that it's clear that you know, there's more happening in the world and there's a lot of things that we need to think about here. There's, you know, there's, I won't even go into the details of some of my thoughts about what's happening. I, I just wanted to point out to you that it's kind of strange. So with that in mind, I'm going to continue my podcast and we're going to keep going and I'm going to continue to do things that I think are important. But I just wanted to point that out that, you know, there's more happening in the world. And I think it's, it's really important that we always remember that. Anyway, on with the podcast. Let's talk about Star Wars. So the good news for Disney is, you know, park reservations are up. We're still at sort of this limited capacity, I'd say. I wouldn't say, you know, it's like wherever the top number was before the pandemic, there was an upper limit number where they'd actually close the parks because people were shoulder to shoulder. It's not quite there, but it is still pretty full. So considering that, it's still at that point where you feel like there's still a lot of people going in the park and they are meeting their park capacity as far as their reservations go. Now remember that they're still not at 100% of the cast members back in place given that the international program isn't there, they're having some trouble with the college program, they didn't rehire everyone, you lost a lot of your historical people who had been there from pretty much from the beginning who had that connection to the early days. So they, when they left, they didn't come back. So you're, you're short people, you're shorthanded. And some of the union workers, the, uh, the people who were, would perform and so forth, aren't there. So you're, missing, you're still missing a fair number of cast members in the, in the portfolio. How many? I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. And what their park capacity is, I have no idea either. It's just, it's a number, right? Whatever that number is, they're meeting that every day. So you, and that's great for Disney parks. I mean, good to get away and enjoy yourself and, you know, kind of get away from your every day and just, you know, kind of take it in. Now, that said, I have this realization that I haven't been there for two years. And when I was talking to uh, a couple of people around me, and uh, there's one listener, you know who you are, uh, I, was con- I was reaching out to and we were kind of discussing things. I had this realization, this moment, when I realized it's not just the whole idea of the pandemic and other things related to it that are holding me back and things in my personal life that I, I can't get to the parks. It's more than that. It's this realization that the parks have changed. They had been changing evolutionary steps along the way for the last few years leading up to the pandemic. But then once the pandemic hit, everything changed. It's different now, appreciably, than it was back the last time I went. And in my mind somewhere, my psychology says, you know what, if you go, you're probably going to be disappointed because things are enough different where it doesn't feel the same. And I keep reminding myself, yeah, 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 but I want to go and check it out and see for myself. But in watching everybody else and what's going on and seeing people's views on it and watching other people's park podcasts and you know, their videos and whatever, videocasts, podcasts, whatever, I'm seeing that people are saying similar things, still fun, still enjoyable, still entertaining, still a, you know, still a good time to go, but it's different. And somewhere inside of me, I'm going for the 48 years I went, because obviously I didn't go for the last two. I was the, you know, it was always the same. I knew how to run the park. I knew how to get around. I knew what to do. And I knew how to immerse myself in the moment and take myself out of it if I wanted to. And I look at it today and I go, but is it the same? And will I feel the same when I go? And when I realized that I, I, somewhere in my psychology, I'm saying, don't go because it's going to be different. It creates sort of this weird notion in me that maybe I am holding back because I don't want to see it that way. I will go. I will make it there, but I'm just still not ready to go. And I realize now that one of my many reasons 
has to do with the fact that things have changed, and I'm a little leery of that. And it's kind of weird when I think about it. So in context, I, I keep thinking, wow, I, you know, I, I will get there, but I just don't know how it's going to be. So as I realize that about myself, you know, kind of an interesting realization to come to, I think to myself, you know, I'm glad that other people are going and enjoying it and I'm seeing it through their eyes in a way and I'm still able to experience it for now until I'm ready to take it on and say, okay, I'm ready to do this and, you know, kind of see what it's like and see what I think about it. And I've heard a lot of things from different people, different people have a lot of opinions about it, but I think no one is saying, hey, it's as great as it was before. And that leads me around to talking about the Halcyon Star Cruiser, the, the new hotel that Disney opened for uh, the Star Wars themed area. Now, when Disney first announced the idea for Galaxy's Edge, I think I've mentioned this several times in my podcast, they originally had the idea for creating different immersive themed lands in each of the uh, different Disney parks. So each park would have a different planet they would represent. So you would have this different feeling if you went to Disneyland or you went to Disney World, you would see a different planet and things would be different. So you could actually see something different at each of the parks you went to and kind of be immersed in a different experience. Now, I can't recall the details on this, but I thought I remembered that they were even thinking about making it so that one would be sort of the prequel trilogy, one would be the sequel trilogy, and one would be the original trilogy. So they would actually be appreciably different from each other so you could see characters from each of those lands within them. And it turned out they just cloned the, the, uh, the two lands. They haven't uh, built a, a third one yet, but they cloned the, the two lands to make them exactly the same. And it's, you know, it's really the same land that's there, and it's based on the uh, sequel trilogy, so episodes seven, eight, and nine. And it sort of loses something. You know, they, they didn't make the immersiveness happen. And they have the, you know, the secret room that you can go into to build a lightsaber, but you can't watch it if you're not paying for that experience. And that's what happened with the Star Cruiser, too. They made this decision to put a lot of the themed elements and some of the things that they were going to have. If you go to, if you go to Galaxy's Edge today, actually, when I was there in 2018 or 19, the last time, I guess 2019 when I was last there, uh, I remember seeing a character playing Rey, and I remember seeing Chewbacca and some rebel spy, and they were all off in the distance, you know, kind of huddled around the Millennium Falcon, then they sort of disappeared. And, you know, I saw a couple of the First Order troopers walking through the park and just kind of walked through. And I, they were up on a, I think there were a couple of them up on a balcony somewhere uh, doing a little, you know, play or something. And yeah, that's great, but they weren't interacting, right? There was nothing happening where you felt like they were part of anything. It was just around you, right? And they were behind like a gate and whatever. So they weren't, they, there was no interactive moment. There was no immersiveness to it. You felt like you were there, but it was kind of, felt like it was kind of missing something. And, you know, one of the things they talked about was having characters there for meet and greets and walking around and seeing them and they're not there. But now with the Star Cruiser, they are there and they have them there. So the Star Cruiser opened up for uh, some cast members to go and have an experience. Now cast members are going to give you a sort of one-sided Disney view because they're cast members and they're they're selected for very specific reasons, and they may give you slightly negative reviews of it, but they're not going to give you totally negative reviews because they work for the company, right? And there's a fine line you dance. Um, even being a cast member when I was there, there was a fine line you dance sometimes when you do something. You know, you were supposed to defer any questions. If anybody asked you anything and they seemed like they were the media, defer that question to someone else. And now with social media, 
I know that they try to keep it a very positive sort of content and they monitor people's social media accounts at times to make sure that they're keeping the positive spin on things, you know, in general. And I, you know, I know that people say things about things once in a while and I noticed that developing over time. And when they'll say something, you know, Disney tries to squash it or I suppose they can lead to termination. So you heard from them and they, they kind of had a positive spin. Then they had a moment where they invited some group of podcasters, bloggers, and other people who do video channels about Disney to come in and spend four hours at the Star Cruiser and get to experience all of the things that the Star Cruiser has without actually having the immersive two-night experience, the two-night stay. And there was a number of them that I recognize, uh, a few who I have met. I wouldn't say any of them are my friends. We, we know each other sort of, you know, in the, in the podcasting and video space, but don't really um, know them that well. And uh, saw some other people that I recognize from having watched their channels and whatever. And, you know, you see these people and you go, wow, that's pretty cool that they got invited. And I had a moment where I had to stop and think, well, how come I didn't get an invite? I feel kind of, I don't know if the word is slighted because I wasn't really slighted. I don't feel that way. It was just interesting that I've been doing this podcast for over 10 years and I'm big on Disney history. And until, you know, a couple of years ago, I was really big on just keeping the positive spin on Disney and things were going that way. And I never got invited to a single thing that Disney did. I know some other people did, I know some people who did, but I never got invited to anything. And generally I'm okay with that, but this one just kind of stung for some reason because it was there wasn't even a, an invite. There were literally hundreds of people they invited, but I wasn't one of them. And I was just like, wow, that's kind of oddly disappointing in a way that I didn't get invited. Now, back to my comments about, you know, maybe not wanting to go, I probably wouldn't have taken it anyway but it would have been nice to be invited. And then after that, there was a group of people who were invited to come for the two night stay. And it was another group of podcasters and they were the very positive ones who were on the media list. And they invited some media people to come too and experience it firsthand and report on it. Now, Disney made some special instructions with them that they weren't allowed to post anything until Friday the 25th uh, at a certain time. I think it was 9 a.m. or something. And before that, they couldn't, they couldn't report on it. They couldn't talk about it. They couldn't post pictures. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they had some restrictions on what they could post. There were certain things that they didn't want them to post. They could talk about it, but they couldn't show pictures or whatever. And I know that some people released some things early and Disney went after them. You know, through YouTube, they actually had some takedown notices happen. Um, they also... Um, went after some people who posted some things that they asked them not to, and they removed some content. Now, the, when I watched the videos from people, you had two classifications. Actually, actually, there were three classifications of people. You had the people who were just giddy with excitement, thrilled that this was happening, loved it, had nothing bad to say about it. You had the people who just thought this was just a waste of time. And, you know, why would anybody spend, you know, five or $6,000 to come on this experience? And then you had some people on, in the middle who were probably more positive, but had some things to say about very specific elements up about it. And, you know, as I watched some of these videos and listened to people talk about it, I was thinking to myself, that's really interesting because it's exactly all of the things that you would have expected to see over in Galaxy's Edge are now behind that paywall that is this Star Cruiser, the Galactic Star Cruiser. And the, the kind of a running theme was that while it was cool, and this was pretty true of even the people who were positive about it, it didn't really, there were certain elements of it that didn't feel like Star Wars. It felt, you know, very, you know, star-like, but maybe more Star Trek in that sense, you know, sort of the, the way they presented things and the way they were designed. And that was interesting to me that it was just, they didn't think it through as being, uh, they didn't think of it as necessarily being Star Wars. Now, 
there's a lot of things in there that were kind of cool that made it Star Wars. But, um, you know, it's just one of, one of those things where you, you think, what didn't they do or what did they do that made it that way? What, you know, what about it made it feel like it wasn't? So you watch the things that you do and, you know, they have the, the restaurant with the different foods and whatever. Okay, that's nice. They have the, uh, the singer who comes in, Gaia, who comes in and sings and does whatever. And, you know, that's nice. And, you know, it's a little, little show they put on and they have a, a Rodian DJ who's got an articulated mouth, which is actually kind of cool. And, you know, you interact with these characters along the way and you interact with the captain. And that's neat. You know, that part's good. And they, they give you a schedule, you know, and you can partake in as much of the schedule or as little of the schedule as you want. So you can be somewhere in the middle. If you want to be totally immersed in it, you can totally immerse in it and become, you know, a hero for the, uh, for the Empire. I'm sorry, the Galactic Federation. Or you can become a, uh, uh, a hero for the, uh, for the Rebels. And you can kind of be in the, in the storyline the way you want to do it. And they, they have you do certain things and you get involved in things. And then you can kind of take a break. And there's an, an area where you can actually go outside. And it's supposed to be a simulated outdoor environment where you're actually going outside the hotel, which is kind of clever. And you do these different things. And they take you to Galaxy's Edge and you can go around and you can do different activities in the engine room and you can, you know, follow, you know, do, solve some puzzles. And I heard people call it like an escape room where you go in and you're just doing some things and you have to solve some puzzles. Okay, that's, you know, that's cool. You go into, um, you go into the, uh, the, the bridge and you can, you know, shoot down TIE fighters or something and jump into hyperspace. Okay, it's a video game. That's great. And then you go into the uh, lightsaber training, which for the most part, I just don't see the allure of. I love the idea of the lightsaber, and I love the idea that there should have been a lightsaber training that they offer as something you can do, but it's just weird the way they didn't really... It, it feels like, you know, you're going in there and you're, you're holding a lightsaber and you're deflecting a few um, blasts from a pretend uh, blaster, and that's it. You know, it's kind of like, well, okay, but there's, you know, a small amount of time you get to do that, and you just get to see it, and it's like, okay, that's nice, move on. And it feels like there's not... It's not, it doesn't give you that really complete feeling of having done something and having been immersed in it in some way. It's just sort of a taste of it. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's okay, I guess. Then there was other videos of um, people playing bingo. <laughs> and it's sure it's Star Cruiser Bingo, and you would expect that maybe on a starship you might play bingo, just as you would if you were on a uh, Disney cruise, let's say. So I get that, but it just felt like for the amount you're paying for it, it's like, oh, you're going to sit there and play bingo? And they had one section where they were teaching people some sort of galactic shuffle, which was, you know, just uh, line dancing. <laughs> just kind of roll your eyes a little bit and you go, okay, sure, sure. And they showed the rooms, of course, and the rooms are fine. They're small hotel rooms with a, with a view outside. Take it or leave it. I don't have a strong opinion either way. If you're going to pay for it, maybe it's probably, maybe it's not worth it. But, you know, it's sort of immersive in a way. I guess it makes you feel like you're there, you know, in space. So I guess that's, that's good. People talked about the shuttle ride over that goes, takes you over to, to the uh, uh, Galaxy's Edge. You're in that basically converted box truck, which I can't quite understand. I get the concept, but it just feels weird that they did it that way. I get it, but it's just something about it just doesn't feel right. It just feels like they were missing a connection there. And then, of course, the storyline, there's a storyline that goes along through the whole time you're there. And it's that the First Order is trying to take over and uh, they want to commandeer the ship. And then Ray sneaks on the ship and Kylo Ren comes on the ship and the two of them have a battle. And there's this weird video of Ray uh, igniting a lightsaber and they use the cool lightsaber that ignites and looks like it actually glow glows up just like it would in the movie. 
And that's cool, but then she has to do this weird change to go to another one that's sort of a plastic so she can have the fight, because that one obviously is just sort of, like I said, it's sort of a tape measure that goes out, and that's how it, that's how it lights up. It's got like LED lights on it that you go out like in a tape measure, so you can't fight with that one, obviously. So she has to put that one down and switch to another one, and the, and the move is so hokey. It's like, ugh. I mean, it just, it's, it's poorly choreographed. And watching the fight, it's kind of like, it's not, it feels kind of weirdly choreographed anyway. It's up on a balcony above you and it just it's a weird choreography that happens there and I can't I was watching it I watched it a couple of times and I'm like yeah I don't I'm not you know that's great and whatever but it just doesn't feel like it really works and then of course the um the people of the ship take over and manage to capture all the stormtroopers or I'm sorry the uh, the uh first order troopers and uh you know yay you know your story ends okay you know that's all good but that's the kind of thing that would be immersive that doesn't really be- doesn't really feel like it belongs behind a paywall, and it certainly doesn't feel like it's you know five or six thousand dollars worth of you know experience immersive experience that's behind a paywall. Something about it just feels odd. Like they made a decision to do something, and they're trying to make an extra buck, and it it just doesn't feel like it it works. And so here's the the problem: who can afford a five thousand dollar or six thousand dollar two night stay? There are you know, it's a small percentage of people that can afford that. So, yes, it was nice that all these guests, you know, these YouTubers and whatever, and these, you know, um, influencers got to go. And good for them. You know, I, I'm not bitter about them going. I was just, it was weird that I didn't even rate. But whatever, that's their business. Um, good that they got to go. And it was interesting that they um, they had them there and they were... Uh, giving them something to, to say, you know, so they could see it and they could talk about it and get some great promotion going for it. But they, most of them, me included, wouldn't be able to afford that on our own. No way could I afford $5,000 for two nights. It couldn't happen. I have a friend who, you know, marginally maybe could, you know, if he saved up his nickels and dimes, he might be able to, to do it. And he talked about going there and then he saw some of the videos and he goes, yeah, maybe not. You know, that sort of thing. It was um, that same sort of notion of not quite what I'm looking for for the immersiveness. There's better ways to spend my money. You know, I could go... I heard somebody say this, and I thought it was the, the best way I've heard it put. I could go and I could stay at any one of the deluxe resort hotels for a week, buy tickets to go into, into uh, Hollywood Studios for that entire week, and go in every day and spend my time at Batu and buy the lightsaber and do whatever else and have and spend less than I would have on the Star Cruiser. So I get a differently immersive experience. And it's funny, as I think back on the, the way they used to do Star Wars weekends, those were phenomenal. Those were great events. I went many times over the course of the 20 or so years it was there, and it was so much fun. It was really interactive and engaging and a lot of fun. They invited people to dress up in their favorite uh, costumes as long as their faces weren't covered, come around and enjoy the parks for the day, you know, kind of interact with guests and whatever. They had, Disney had their own cast members who were there doing some stuff. And they also brought in the 501st Legion to come and be interactive as a part of the park too. So they were marching in a parade and there was that way there were more stormtroopers there and other people engaged and doing things. And it made the whole thing really, really fun. And it was interactive, and they had stuff going on all day for everyone. Everyone could participate, anyone who was there. And there was something to be said for that, that you could participate and enjoy and really be a part of it. 
And I, I'm sad to say that they don't do that like that anymore. It's just they kind of did away with it. They're like, well, that's, that was nice, but that was yesterday, and we're not doing that anymore because, you know, too many people enjoyed it, and we weren't making any money on it. You know, they were just making the gate receipts and, you know, a few merchandise sales. But they weren't able to put it behind a paywall and make some extra money, so they discontinued it. And I know the relationship changed with the 501st and um, the, the whole Lucasfilm thing changed. You know, it's sort of this... If you go back in my archives, you can hear I talked to... Uh, the garrison leader for the 501st in Florida, and he talked about the experience and what, you know, how Lucasfilm kind of let them be and do what they were doing. And they still do those things because they do very good, a lot of charitable things, but they're just not involved with Disney parks anymore. And it's just sort of a different experience that's happened there. And you, you change the nature of everything you do when those things happen, right? It's, it's sort of different. You don't have that same uh, experience going to the park that you used to have. Before they built Galaxy's Edge, I would argue that it was more immersive in Star Wars than it is today. And today it's fine. I mean, Galaxy's Edge is nice. I'm not saying anything bad about it. It's just missing some of that depth. You know, okay, so you have these two rides. Yeah, but it's not about the rides. It's about that immersive experience. And there's my, my big problem with everything that Disney does related to, well, everything these days, Star Wars in particular is this sort of lack of immersiveness where you, you don't feel like you're a part of anything. You're going, you, you go there, you see the things, you go on a ride, and then you can go in the, you can pay extra and go to this extra thing. So, you know, I'm kind of wondering where that all goes, you know, and that's, and also you have to get the lightning lane to pay for this, you know, to, to go on Rise of the Resistance, you have to pay extra to go on the lightning lane. And that leads me around to this thought. This is probably my final thought for today's podcast, and it has to do with the the fact that back, you know, when the Disney parks opened, when Disneyland opened, even when Disney World opened, you bought an admission ticket. And that admission ticket let you come in the park and experience the park. And at the time, it was like, you know, six bucks, 10 bucks to come in. I think it was 350 when they opened, right? I know I've talked about this before, but it, it was a small amount of money you would pay for the admission. Then you had to buy tickets to go into the individual rides. And the tickets were a buck, two bucks, something like that. They weren't very expensive. And you could go see a ride, and you could see it once, and you could go enjoy it. And if you wanted to buy it again, you could, you could buy another ticket and go on it again. So you had the A tickets, the B tickets, the C, and D and E tickets, right? And you can go into these different things. Today, by, you know, hyperinflation, the price to get in the park, that same park admission with nothing else associated with it, essentially, is like 120 bucks. Now, they're throwing in some attractions that you can just go wait in a line for and go see. And they're giving you, for now, Genie Plus for free for some attractions where you can go and spend a couple of bucks. And I'm sorry, for that same price included, you can go in and see those things. But if you want to see some of the bigger attractions, the ones that would be previously e-ticket attractions, you have to spend an extra 15 bucks to go see them. So it's essentially like going in before, you'd buy your admission ticket for the six bucks, you'd buy an e-ticket for a dollar, two dollars, whatever it was, and you'd go and uh, spend that money and you'd be able to go ride Space Mountain, let's say, for an e-ticket. And that was great. And now you're doing the same thing, except it's like 120 bucks to come in. And then you're spending 15 bucks to go in the Lightning Lane to go see uh, get the, the, the um, Rise of the Resistance, right? So in a way, they've gone back to what they used to do, but in a very different sort of deceptive way. And because the price point is what it is, it's kind of like, wow, that, you know, inflation... It, exceeds inflation to a large degree. And, you know, you're doing that. And if you do it for everything and you position it that way, I suppose it's okay, right? I don't have a problem with them doing it. 
but it's just sort of a weird mix of things that they're doing right now. And the, since the lightning lane is kind of confusing and, you know, it's, it's a weird thing where if you have your, you've already paid for it and you're supposed to go and for some reason you can't go because the ride breaks down or this or that, you can get a refund, but it's difficult. Where, you know, back in the day, if you had the tickets left, they would buy them back from you, right? You handed them the ticket when you got to the gate and then they would take it and that was the end of it. But if you couldn't use it, actually, I don't know. Did they buy them back? Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe they didn't, but you would take them home with you for a couple of bucks. So what? You take it home or you give it to your friend or give it to your neighbor or whatever for that price. Um, and that's why the resale market was so big on those things because it was easy to, you know, take your, your extra ticket books and resell them, right? And you could sell them to somebody else. So, you know, the, the world has changed and it's, you know, it's the same thing only in a digital space that's much more confusing and much more complicated. Used to be easy. You'd walk up to a ticket booth, you give them a little bit of money, they'd hand you a ticket and you'd go off and ride some attraction. Now you go online, you try to book that, you see if it's available, you get that lightning lane, you know, blah, 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 and you wind up going on it. Maybe if it's, if it's not broken. You know, just, it's weird because you're spending the money in a different way and they're telling you it's for this limited time and if you don't use it, then you lose it. Wait, what? You used to be able to take that paper ticket home with me and use it again the next time I came, whether it was next week, next month, or next year. I could use it again some other time. Now you're telling me I, I had to buy it for that day and that's the end of it. It's weird. You know, it's just kind of strange that way. Anyway, so that's what I wanted to talk about. It was just sort of that whole thing about Disney. It's weird how we're talking about Disney and, the, you know, we have this big opening moment. Disney is all about this, this promotion, self-promotional thing. This is their, their seminal moment. They've got this thing that's this, this uh, the Star Cruiser that they're opening up and it's up against the backdrop of what's happening in the world. And there's some weirdness that goes on with that when you think about it. It's a great moment, but yet you have to kind of couch that a little bit. Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, um, at the beginning of my podcast, I talked enough about the world around us. I'm not going to do a One Little Spark segment today, so I'm just going to leave you with, remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 